Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin Estates in the West End of Richmond, where it is Valentine's Day on February 14th. Uh, Virginia has a big game tomorrow night, uh, late against one, uh, some, I, I believe the, f- the sheet says, I think it's Duke. Uh, the Blue Devils, whatever those are. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Obviously, talk about uh, a little bit about uh, what happened to the Cavaliers the other night in nice, dark, and dank uh, Castle Coliseum, where I can confirm for you that it was hotter than. Well, I can't say that colloquial saying that I was about to say. Anyway, uh, it was hot, and we're going to talk about that game. And we also have um, some uh, an interesting little. Uh, uh, I don't know which one of you guys came up with this but we're going to talk we're going to have a little fun with something at the end of the show toward the end of the the uh, episode but anyway uh let's go around and introduce everybody out in fishersville david spence is back on the podcast welcome back my friend thank you who dave's on the board at who dave's on twitter he's decided to just not say my name now <laughs> so as to not get picked on up in arlington uh justin ferber's also back on the show welcome back my friend all right thank you rbf wow uh, at justin underscore ferber on twitter he dropped my whole stuff uh, Cavs Corner, also on Twitter, Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Uh, so Virginia goes to to Virginia Tech and loses in a game that, as I rewatched it today, I, I, I still found myself just kind of puzzled as to, so wait, Virginia's really going to lose this game? I thought there were several opportunities for the Cavaliers. I mean, not just a, a beyond just, you know, you went 14 for 24 at the free throw line, which doesn't even include the several times that they missed the front end of a one and one but they went 14 to 24 at the free throw line. I, you know, it wasn't a turnover thing. I, I thought maybe at times they got a little bit trigger happy uh, in the overtimes. But above all, I mean, just golden opportunity to, to win another ACC row game kind of just um, kind of fumbled away. Um, it, we, we're a couple days removed from it now, Dave. How are, are you? Have you been able to process it? Are you still are you still upset? My sister's text me. Uh, was that today or yesterday? And said she was still in a funk. Uh, how, how do you feel about that game now? Have you have you been able to kind of turn the page, focus on Duke yet? Yeah, I mean, at this point, you kind of have to. It's um, yeah, as you know, I, I didn't get to watch it live because something going on at the store. But I uh, I, I finally watched it uh, yesterday. <laughs> I, I got to catch overtime live, but I didn't didn't get to catch the uh, what led to it. Um, but watching it back, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. There, there were plenty of plenty of chances for Virginia to win that game. I found myself thinking today, like, would I be as upset if it wasn't Tech? Probably not. I mean, it, it's something that that happens. Um, look, it, it, it's like the other games we've kind of you know let slip by. It's, you don't get a whole lot of chances to win on the road in the ACC when you've got one, I, I won't say locked up, but pretty close to locked up you, you got to finish and that hurts that hurts more than it being in tech shockingly what about you Ferber? a couple of days away you're, you're typically the voice of reason um among this um this cast of characters what uh what's what's your general uh vibe on that game at this point yeah i mean be, losing the tech i don't i don't care about them really <laughs> um but um, yeah, I'm more distressed that it was by, you know, like in the fashion that it came. And, you know, I read through your rewatch today and it kind of made me re- realize that, you know, like even watching that game in overtime, 
even when UVA was winning, it still felt like they were destined to lose because it felt like they had already lost the game. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, that absolutely. It felt sense. like they lost it a long time ago. It's like, yeah, even if they somehow win, right. it feels kind of like lost. Right, exactly. Like, um, I mean, uh, overall, it's just another road loss in the league. Um, I mean, it's a tough environment to go into, especially considering the stakes and the rivalry and what it means to the other team. Um, and, I mean, that's a tournament team. That's not like a really bad loss. But that's the kind of team you're going to play in the second round of the tournament, um, or an even better team. So you got to be able to kind of hold on to a lead when you have a lead like that, and you know instead of just trying to ride the game out, it almost feels like a golfer on a Sunday of a tournament where you're just it feels like they're just hanging on to the lead rather than maintaining it, um, and that's how it sometimes feels in the second half for this team. What I found a little bit disconcerting is Virginia had. Um, let's see, nine offensive rebounds and had one second chance point. Now, Tech didn't exactly kill them in second chance points. They they actually did out-rebound them 41-38, to 38, which is somewhat um, interesting in and of itself. Um, but Tech had 17 turnovers, right? And Virginia only scored 15 points off turnovers. Virginia had seven fewer turnovers, and yet Tech only uh, Virginia only had five more points off turnovers. And look, I understand not everything can break down stats. Um, I, I get that, but the thing that stood out to me as I rewatched that game was just like like Ferber's talking about. Like there were so many opportunities for them to win that game. There were so many different situations. You're like, if you do this one thing right at this one time, it's going to be over. And they just never could do it. Uh, I mean, I am. I, I'm, I, I was a little bit, um, in hindsight, maybe a little harsh on some other some some of the guys, you know, talking about you know shortening the rotation and stuff. I, I I just it just it's problematic to me when 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 a guy starts, plays 14 minutes, doesn't score, only has four rebounds, but he has two turnovers and four fouls. Um, that that to me is is problematic. Um, and listen, I know that Jack is the best screener on the team. I know that he brings a lot to the table. My problem is, is that if he can't keep his hands off people, I mean, there are definitely times in that game where he allowed Zach Ladey to. I mean, not only do they rack up fouls, but then on top of that, you, you know, you're giving them opportunities to to basically believe. And when when Virginia's not getting some kind of scoring. From its post, right? So in this game, I mean, this was not a, one of those good Isaiah Wilkins game. He was two for eight from the floor. He only scores five points. He did have uh, nine rebounds, which is good. But, I mean, when Virginia's getting some contributions from from one of those guys offensively, they're a completely different team. When, when Isaiah's able to get that 15-foot, uh, you know, jumper, being on the baseline or, or, or straight away. But, like, they got to have more from the post somehow and I, I'm, at, I'm, at, I'm at that point now where I think they almost are better off just going for guard playing that way planning to play that way playing the minutes that way I think then you get your other guards more minutes you know I think Kyle Guy has to play more you know I, I mean I know he's a liability at times defensively I did not see him uh, be a liability early in that second half um, I, I thought he came in early and, pl- and shot it well I thought he did a good job of of giving him something late. I mean, he was the one who dropped the dime to Hall that tied it up in, in the second overtime, um, which which was actually a really fantastic play on his part. 
Um, so I just think that this is a t- look. We we understand that Tech is a team that Virginia doesn't match up well with, right? They're they're posi- it's positionless basketball. It's kind of pit all over again. Um, Tech didn't kill it from three point land. I mean, both teams made eight threes in the game. I felt I felt like Tech's threes were very timely, um, and I thought that they ran nice action. That one to Bibbs late, I thought was really good stuff for Buzz Williams, um, and. Overall, I think as you look back on it, like Ferber said, it's it's a it's a loss on the road in the ACC. The fact that it's the it's it's your rival is the is the thing that sticks in your craw a little bit. And also too, like you were you were a half game out of first place, and you had an opportunity to really uh, to get that you know what even though Virginia has the best road record in the ACC right now, um, you had an opportunity to go out and get another one, and you you really fumbled it away. And I think that's the that's the thing that's going to last out of this game, though. We're all going to take something to to tomorrow night and and maybe even Saturday. Um, Do you think this changes anything for tomorrow night? I mean, I I feel like I feel like Duke in some ways is similar to Tech, although I don't know how much zone you're going to see Duke playing. But I I just feel like with 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 Grayson Allen and and Luke Kennard, there's a whole lot of drive and kick opportunity. and, And that's my 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 worry with the Duke game. Do we think this lingers? Do, how do we think that Sunday night impacts um, tomorrow night? Ferber, let's start with you. How do you feel like? What, what do you? What's the? What's the preview going to say um, tomorrow about Sunday night and and the way it impacts uh, t- tomorrow night's matchup? Well, I think the the biggest impact would probably be with just fatigue after playing a fifty minute game on the road. But I mean, they did have two two whole days off. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously they're practicing, but two days away from the of the court to kind of get back to get ready for a late game tomorrow night. So I think that the fact that it's not Tuesday um, really helps. But obviously if that game had been Saturday afternoon instead of Sunday night, you wouldn't be an issue. But, um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they play, you know, down the stretch. If they look tired because they kind of look tired at the end of that Tech game. Obviously the heat was a factor, as you said. But, um, I, I mean, I – I feel the I feel the same way about this Duke game that I did before the Tech game, and that I thought it was a really it's going to be a tough game if Duke can get hot from three, and I mean if Duke gets a certain level of hot from three, they might not be a winnable game, but because they just have the guys that are able to do that. So I mean that's really what I keep thinking about and keep coming back to. It's going to come down to you know how UVA closes out on shots and how many Duke can make, but I don't think that's changed from Sunday at six p.m. to now. Yeah, the fatigue thing is going to be interesting to watch. I wonder, I think Tony's going to have to be very crafty about how he uses uh, Perantis, especially in that first half. You know, you, you will probably want to get him out um, before the under 12, and maybe if you can, if you can last it, try to get to, the, um, to, to, to the, maybe the, um, you know, that 13-and-a-half, 14-minute mark. Uh, excuse me, the, um, the, the, the nine-and-a-half, eight-minute mark, somewhere in that ballpark, and getting back in. Uh, you'd love to get him from one media timeout to the next, though I don't think that's obviously going to uh, just present itself nice and cleanly. Uh, Dave, what about you? What do you f- do? You think the fatigue thing is that something you're worried about uh, tomorrow night, or is that something we're all focused on? But maybe the kids, you know, they're twenty twenty one years old, um, and they have world class um, trainers and stuff, getting get, keeping them hydrated and, and following their every. Uh, cal- calorie. What? What? How do you feel uh, about Sunday night impacting tomorrow night's game? I mean, I hope fatigue isn't an issue. I mean, it, we we aren't playing until Wednesday. I mean, Tech's playing tonight. It's 
you know, it's longer rest and you're going to have an NCAA tournament. So I don't really think fatigue can, can be something you, uh, that we should ex- expect to see, especially, you know, given the fact we have Mike Curtis, um, and just the history of this team under Bennett. I don't know that the, the game before really has any bearing on what happens the game after, um, Heck, you know, we've gone on the road, won some games we didn't expect to win after some bad losses before, and we've got this one at home. That said, I don't know. It's not like it's going to help us win the game that we lost uh, on Sunday. Duke's a very good team, as Justin pointed out, and they they do a lot of the things that you know that kind of hurt us against Tech. You know, you know, the drive, drive, you know, drive, kick, kick. Um, that's kind of what Duke does, and they do it even better than Tech. So. It's gonna be. We're gonna have to score some points. I mean, that's just the nature of the game. Um, I think for fans, we're probably a little less. You know, we're probably a little less uh, confident than we would have been with a, with a uh, resounding win. Like it looked like we might have been heading to score wise at the half. But right. yeah, I, I don't think it affects it. I mean, if this team at this point, under Tony, with, you know, with the amount of players that have been there and done that. Um, they should be able to get up for Duke. I mean, it's not like it's Clemson rolling in here. See, and I think that's the thing. I don't think it has anything to do with getting up for them. I, I, I don't. I think sometimes people equate um, energy with effort, and like I don't think it's going to be a problem for them to get up for it. I, I wonder physically, are they going to be able to to dig into the tank? You know, it's like. How much? Yeah, how much? Yeah. How much physical capital did they spend the other night, and how much can they replenish between then and now? I, I look. I I am of the mindset but, that when you play that many guys, even if you have a double overtime game, I mean, you have you, you know maybe Reuter didn't play, but seven minutes, and 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 Diakite only played ten, so your guards played a lot of minutes. You know, you had you had uh, Wilkins played forty, uh, Perantes played forty six. Uh, even Devin Hall only played 37, which I understand 37 only. But my point being is that, like, I don't think they're going to have a problem getting excited or up for it. I think there's a point, though, where fatigue takes takes you – starts to impact your execution. It starts to impact your focus. And Duke is going to put up a lot of pressure on him. I mean, I know Kay's only going to ride with, you know, a certain number of guys. He's not going to go too deep. Um, you know, what's he going to play? Uh, Allen, Tatum, Kennard. Uh, Jefferson, Jackson, and maybe and, and Matt Jones. That's it. So maybe he might go eight tops, but he's probably going to go six or seven. Um, I would imagine that Harry Giles gets a few minutes here or there, and that Marquise Marquise Bolden gets a few minutes here or there. But realistically, like he's not going to go too deep. So in a way, you're going to just be matching. You know, it's not like they're going to be running fresh body after fresh body. Um, this is. I mean, it, it would be a lot worse to me if the Carolina game was tomorrow night but i almost wonder if it makes the fact that the carolina game is you know I mean, you got what you play on sunday you get monday tuesday off you play on wednesday you get thursday friday off then you play on saturday so it there is a nice ebb to it it's that miami game on monday they're not gonna have anything in the tank and that's gonna be that's good to i mean they're more likely i think to win both of these next games than they are to to win the, on monday night like i i'm i'm as worried about that Monday night game against Miami. Look, that's not a Miami team that I think is going to blow you away, but it's a Miami team that has a lot of dudes who can play ball. Um, and they play a similar type of grinding sort of style at times. I mean, listen, Duke's going to Duke's gonna play a little low-lay defense at times. Uh, Carolina, probably going to play a little low-lay defense at times. This is not, the, these two teams are very talented, but they're not necessarily teams that make you grind. 
you know, Virginia by its natural pace is going to is going to mess with them a little bit. And they're not going to want to run with them anyway, so they're going to be able to, you know, more than more than usual, take the, the foot off the pedal. But I just kind of I, I, I kind of think that we all a lot of times we make the mistake of equating um, energy with, um, you know, the fact. Opponent. Yeah. What, what, yeah. Well, energy with like, uh, well, how can you not get excited or get up? And I, I don't know if that's the, the point, but I do think the one the one other thing is. Virginia went 14 to 24 at the free throw line the other night. Virginia Tech, um, Virginia Tech went what um, 20 to 26. Now, if Virginia allows the other the it allows Duke or Carolina really to 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 shoot two more free throws and make six more, um, that's not going to be good. I mean, because those teams are going to get to the line a lot, um, and so I feel like for Virginia they're going to have to make they're going to have to make a lot more hay at the line than they did. I mean, look, as nice as they got 24 free throws uh, against Virginia Tech. I mean, when's the last time they've done that well on the road um, from the stripe? But at the same time, I just kind of worry, like, both of those teams are going to get to the line a lot. And I think for Virginia, their, their defense is just not as good this year, which means their, their offense is going to have to execute. And I think that's, that could be tough given kind of where they are in, in terms of their um, number of minutes guys have played. Yeah, well, yeah. I, you, we we talked about this in our text thread, but I, I don't want to get in this whole Rimgate thing because it's kind of ridiculous. But it, it's a little weird. Did you guys see what Tech shot free throw was in the first half? In the first 50%. half? They yeah, were like they four of seven fifth, or something? Three of six. And then they shot 83.3% and 87.5 on the good rim. We were 625 on the good rim and 56-ish average second half in overtime just an interesting little thing <laughs> so so all right for those who those who are listening who have no idea what's happening so the ball the ball that sat on that flange that same goal that virginia shot at in the second half what dave is saying is that virginia tech did not shoot i'm not well. saying i'm just saying all right what he's saying what he's alluding to and at least opening the door for and hoping that maybe there's some truth about is that that goal tech shot at poorly um, in the first half, and then Virginia shot at poorly uh, in the second half and overtimes. So his point, what he's trying to say here is that there, there's something defective about that goal. And look, there was some. Rumor. No, no, don't put that on me. I just no, no, you just implied it. That's okay. Look, if you're gonna if you go throw it out there, stand by it. You know what? Put on your tinfoil hat. Um, there was some. I feel like I feel like it came from ESPN. I, I don't listen to the to the broadcast like when I rewatch I, I keep it on mute because those people drive me nuts oh, yeah. cool. um, especially if no offense to Corey but I feel like sometimes when he's trying when he's when he's call, calling a Virginia game he tries a little too hard it's, it's it, I might be totally wrong on that but it just kind of feels that way so I have I don't listen to the broadcast fairly ever um, anymore and so but I feel like somebody said at some point that that ESPN said something there was something up with that rim or that stanchion earlier that they saw something with it now listen i, I don't I, I don't know if there was something wrong with it um i do know that i can't remember in person ever seeing a ball sit on there though i know that Dwayne wade did it against somebody not too terribly long ago in the nba but that that whole it's weird right it's weird to that that both teams would struggle on the on the quote-unquote bad goal uh, it, the rim that was replaced before tip-off was it replaced before tip-off? I didn't know that. Yeah, you didn't know that? <laughs> yeah. I, did, I literally Check. was just talking about it. And I didn't uh, – uh, I, I said – somebody on ESPN was talking about there's something wrong with the – so that, so yeah, that text, was not their text normal. Yeah, Tech snapchatted um, a picture of Lede, and they, 
and the Snapchat was breaking in the new rim. Huh. Which was the one we shot on in the second half. Yeah, that's where the whole conspiracy comes from. Right. Well, anyway, the, the bottom line is, <laughs> yeah. is that the, the goals of JPJ at this point um, are standard, so hopefully that, that won't yeah, be a hopefully thing it. But listen, I, I don't know if Virginia lost that game because of a bad goal. I do know no. that they lost that game because they, they, couldn't, they couldn't make free throws that they were given the opportunity to make. And when we talk about Virginia off Virginia's offense, we, we've said for a long time, right. That, you know, cause it was like not that long ago, there was so much conversation about whether they could or couldn't like get to the line. Right. It was all about, you know, Oh, they're not getting calls and blah, blah, blah. And we have said for a long while now that they have to be able to get easy points. And so, which is why in the first half of that Syracuse game, all three of us were like, this is not good. Like there are all these little bunnies around the rim that should be there that they're not scoring. Um, and I really think that that's the th- that I mean, like I, I can't tell you that that Austin Nichols would have just you know been magical at that. I just think that that's the thing that this team is missing the most, which is just having a big dude who can just clean stuff up, um, who can catch and go to the rim. Mike Toby, I swear to God, would average like twenty eight points for this team. Like, it's ridiculous how like everybody talks about like redshirting. Virginia should have redshirted him because. As and now that he's finally physically matured and stuff like this, this was made for him to be. I mean that this team needs they need a hero like Mike Toby because if there was anything Toby was good at, it was rolling to the rim and and go. Now he couldn't dunk with any power. He was not authoritative with the ball, but man, he could clean up some some junk around the rim and 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 make it. Um, so I think that's the thing that they have to figure out a way to do. Um, guys have to go strong with the ball. They got to get. Uh, tighter on the rim. I, I don't know. I don't care. But that's something that this team cannot afford to leave points out there. Uh, and those bunnies and, and free throws are, are certainly something. Um, hey, I got a quick question for you guys, if you don't mind me interrupting. Yeah, yeah go ahead. No, I haven't that. asked this. So I was thinking as a watch. You know, I think it was. I can't remember how much time was left when they ran that last play. Um, look, Tony's a pack line guy. Is there going to be a point where Tony has to say, okay, there's 20 seconds left. They're coming out of this timeout. They score, they win. We're going to run a matchup zone at them right here. We're going to go, we're going to do something different for this one possession because they just schemed against our pack line. You talked about it in your rewatch, how they schemed against us and got that corner three. I think it was Bibbs, the Bibbs three. Um, well, like every other team does it. You'll see Syracuse change up a little bit. Yeah, like, I, do you ever think we'll see Tony do it for one possession? Well, they did it. They off. ran a, They ran a one possession of zone the other night, and and they hit a three on it. Um, I didn't see that. Yeah, like it. Yeah, they it, did randomly go into a matchup zone. Yeah, they ran. It was a it, and and it was literally pack one so hard to differentiate from a zone though, because yeah, if they no, switch no, it was, screens, it, was it, definitely, like a zone. it was definitely a zone because uh, Hall okay. just stood instead of like and and guy had to flare out to the to the shooter, but he didn't. He didn't. He didn't move. They were nobody's moving with any people. They were. They were. Yeah. Was definitely. And it was out of a timeout. And, and then I feel like Tony somebody even said banked about in it. a three. Yeah, it was Bibbs. Um, I feel like Tony even said something about in the post game about playing that one possession of zone and that and then they made it, they banked a three and that's what he gets for playing zone. No, I don't think. Here's so my thing. Doing I my don't, research. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> I, 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 but I think it's a good question because I think the situation was different. What you're talking about is, um, in a at the end of a game. I think there's two things. One, you can't you can't be who you're not. And they yeah. are a team that plays that defense. So I think in that situation, asking 
guys to you know it's like running a special play on fourth and one from the from the one no you just put the ball in the end zone um but i think the other thing too is that like there are things you can do within the pack line for example i don't think you should post trap until a guy starts to beat you like i think teams are are so are are, are ready for that like you can watch the spacing and you can see that the big understands that when he sees this guy, he's supposed to throw it to this guy. And then that guy knows he throws it here. And then it goes there in the other corner. And, like, they're, they're scheming that. And so I think that you can, you can watch these – you can watch a post player catch and look. And if he doesn't see it, then he knows he's not supposed to do the, 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 the post trap play. But, like, if you, if you do post trap, at least wait for the guy – like. I would like to have seen Virginia not go to the post trap until like so. Lede goes after Mom and he wants twice. Okay, now maybe after that third time, okay, he's he's starting to let's let's throw him something different, um, and and maybe delay it a little bit. But I, th- I think that one you 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 should be switching everything, okay? Because let's be honest, Virginia's best lineup is to not, is to have one big on the floor, and you can yeah. switch with one big on the floor. Two, I, I think they've got to. Um, they've got to be more um, aggressive on on the on the uh, on the defensive side, and what I mean by that is there are too many times where um, they come out to defend the guy, he passes, and and you fall back. Now, I'm not saying you go against the pack line. What I'm saying is is that that it, that that you need to take a little bit of that space away, because what ends up happening is is that as as, as as we've seen throughout the season, this Virginia team is good in a variety of ways, and they struggle in a variety of ways. And one of the ways that they struggle is making up that space from the pack to the to the to the catch. They can't they can't get from where they where they are to where they're supposed to be in enough time to be there for the catch, which is why um, teams with length really kill them. From you know, like Pitt, for example, like shooting. You know, I really believe that that's where that came from. Is guys. Get in the pack, and and even though they're being continuous, even though they are breaking when they're supposed to, they're just not there yet. Um, I, I, and I think that that probably is one of the big reasons why like Kyle Guy's not playing more, is because that's something he really struggles with is being able to to be uh, continue not just be continuous in, in the in the defense, but to get out on the shooter. So I don't know if necessarily you want to throw out a random three three two matchup zone. Um, what I wouldn't mind seeing them do is to be more cognizant of their own weaknesses and try to ar- and plan around it. So, like, hey, listen, uh, we don't have guys who can bigs who can cover space, so we're not going to post trap until a guy hurts us a lot, um, until it's a, a necessity. Like, we got to get the ball out of this kid's hands, and we're, we would we would rather live with making them execute one, two, three passes, and then this guy making the three in the corner. You know what I mean? Like, until it become like make him make him throw you a strike first. My other thing would be switching on screens. I think is a, is a must, um, and I think that um, if you can, I, I think that even as one of the advantages you have as a four guard is being able to go defense offense quickly. I'm not saying you sacrifice the the defensive glass completely, but it wouldn't be a bad thing every once in a while for guys to be a little opportunistic, depending on the situation. Like I feel like. I feel like with Perantis and Hall and even to some extent Shayok and Thompson, like those guys should know where they are on the floor and whether or not they should go rebound or whether they should go down the, down the floor. You know what I mean? Like there's just a – there's an inherent kind of I'm away from the play, let me go. You know what I mean? Um, and look, I mean dudes are standing around and guys are tipping in uh, stuff at the buzzer. So, I mean, clearly they're not – it's not helping a lot. Um, but I just feel like there's some things they can tweak that help them 
Um, and I'm not sure if going to a different look is one of them, but there are definitely some things I think they gotta gotta tweak. What do you think, Ferber? You've been quiet for like 30 minutes now. What? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what you just said. <laughs> Cosign. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you don't want to stray too far from who you are, but I, I mean, I agree. I think they're better with more guards. Um, and usually that serves you pretty well in the tournament. Like you, you veteran guard play is usually what wins tournament games. So. Um, and they're a good shooting team. I mean, better than I even thought they would be this year. So, I mean, that's kind of what I would I would try to play to those strengths as long as you can defend and rebound. I would agree with that. Um, all right, one one more question on the team before we we get to our fun topic. Um, what are you expecting this week? This is the last podcast we're going to have until they play three games. So by the time we come back, Virginia will have played Duke, Carolina, and Miami. Uh, what are you expecting out of these three games? And with the caveat that clearly game two and three can be severely impacted by what happens in game one. But what are you, what's your general sense, and Ferber, we'll start with you, what's your general sense of what we're going to be talking about when we reconvene um, next week? What, what are we going to be talking about uh, with, uh, with these next three games? My, my head says to, that UVA will win the two home games and lose to Carolina. But my gut says that they're going to lose to Duke and then win the next two. Um, I, I mean, winning in Chapel Hill would be really tough on Saturday night. But for some reason, Duke's just ability to, to get hot from the outside and the way that they're playing right now kind of scares me a little bit, regardless of where the game's played. And honestly, Duke is one of the few teams in this league right now that it feels like kind of has UVA's number a little bit. Um, I mean, obviously, UVA beat them in that ACC title game, and they have they've only played twice since, but... In both games, Duke beat them close late, not unlike some of the recent ways UVA has lost to other teams. Um, so I think that'll be interesting to watch going forward. I think UVA will at least give Carolina a very good game on Saturday night, and I think that they'll take care of Miami. Um, the fear would be, obviously, you lose the first two, you're drained, and then you come back and just have to like compete to stick around with Miami and hopefully get through that game, but... Um, if they could go two and one, I think that would be really, really impressive. And I think that after these two games, they have a good chance to run the table. Um, you get Miami at home, NC State on the road. NC State's a dump. It's just like a fire right now. <laughs> Poor Mark Godfrey's gonna get fired. Yeah, talking about fires. Um, and then whether they have North Carolina at home, which obviously would be very difficult, but it's at home. And then you have Pitt at home. So, I mean, I think that. If they can get through these next two, if they somehow won both of these next two, then they would be in a great position. But I can't imagine that happening. Dave, what about you? What What do you think? What do you What do you What are your expectations for these next three games? It's so hard, man. Like, I mean, history tells me we should probably come out two and one. Um, I, I think Justin, right? I, I think the hardest. I think the hardest of the three to win. I know that sounds terrible because it's home, but it's Duke, and it's. Look, sometimes the fact that they had their number doesn't matter if you know guys. Guys remember that stuff, and and Duke is really good. Um, I feel like if they beat Duke, they could possibly go three and zero. Obviously, they would have to beat Duke to go three and zero. But <laughs> it's oh, that's the game that worries me most. It, it's Wednesday, and what happens if Virginia comes out and just you know gets housed? And that's look, that's a real possibility. I can't remember what, you know, if Duke gets hot from three, 
just they're a matchup nightmare for us with the saws they've got with the guys that can shoot three. Um, but then again, you know, I, I don't think Duke's better this year than they were last year. Um, obviously, we were better last year. Uh, but we almost, you know, should have won at Duke last year. And then the year before, let a lead slip. I mean, it's going to be a loud, loud home court. Um, if I had to put money on it, I would say Virginia's going to come out two and one. I think Miami is, you know, the one you can count um, if they, they won one of the other two. I, I don't know. I mean, it seems dumb to say winning at Carolina is easier than beating Duke at home. Um, but I don't know that it's untrue. So, I mean, it's a big week. If Virginia somehow comes out this week 3-0, and then I think we're all over the games we've we've kind of choked away recently. I um, it's funny. I I think I I think I told you guys right after the Tech game that I thought Virginia was going to win the next two, and and I don't necessarily think that I was wrong about that. I, I I think Virginia matches up pretty well in some ways with Carolina. The thing that I'm I'm worried about with Carolina is Joel Berry. Um, I just all right defensively. How do you stop? How do you stop Carolina? Well. You're gonna need to. You're gonna have to have somebody on Joel Berry. My guess is that's got to be Piranha. So that's gonna be the toughest cover he's had. What, maybe Brunson, but that's it, right? Yeah. Point guard wise, which allows Devin Hall to be on on Justin Jackson, and the pressure spots though is that Carolina's both more athletic at the po- in the post and also taller and longer. So you're going to have to play Salt. Um, they're going to have to get some minutes from Mamadi. So Carolina concerns me for a variety of reasons. And I do think that we've seen Carolina in recent history all of a sudden be, be have like at one game where like they're really good defensively. It's when, it's when things are simple. I think for Virginia, they're going to have to really lean on those guards. And, they're gonna ha- and it's going to be one of those rare times where Virginia's going to have to make Carolina match up with them. And, and look, Roy might be willing to do it because Roy probably thinks his good on good's better. But I don't know if Virginia can win that in a traditional lineup. Duke's a little bit hard for me to, to handicap, too, because Kennard and Allen are both very good drivers but also very good uh, passers and shooters. And so they can play off of each other a little bit. Um, I feel like, all right, so what are you going to do with them? Shaq and, and Hall are going to have to cover them, right? So I guess Hall is probably going to draw Allen. Um, is Shaq ready for Kennard? I'm not real sure. Um and we're not really sure what Duke's going to do at the point. Sometimes they've got Frank Jackson. Sometimes they've got one of the other guys. Um, I, I don't worry about Duke's post as much. I think Emil Jefferson and Isaiah Wilkins is a good matchup. Duke probably more than happy to go small, um, and Virginia, I think, will oblige. So I think, in a way, that's going to be an interesting matchup. I think the freshmen are a huge, huge part of that game uh, for UVA. I mean, I think Kyle Guy has to score. Ty Jerome has to make good decisions. Um but I, I could totally see him winning both, and I could totally see him losing both. I think that's that's the, the my expectation for this week is that I have no idea what's coming. Um, and I like you guys. I it's funny because on the top of my head, I'm like, well, it seems stupid to just assume that like whatever happens in these two games is going to be you know the Monday is going to be a direct result. But you're going to have to cur- turn around, come from Chapel Hill, come home, and play Miami uh, two nights later, right? And what time are they what time are they even going to get back Sunday? You know, like. What 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 time do we even think they're going to get back? Because I mean, what's it? Six o'clock game, so it's eight o'clock, uh, eight thirty, almost nine before they leave. 
right? So what's that? A three and a half hour trip from Chapel Hill? What's that, how much? What's how long does it take to get from Chapel Hill to Charlottesville? Yeah, about three and a half. Are they flying or are they driving? Nah, I'm sure that, they're that, driving. That's a bus trip for yeah. sure. Okay, so so they're take not, they're get not getting back three. until midnight, <laughs> right? They're not getting back until midnight. Um, then they got to turn around and play on Monday night. Meanwhile, now at least Miami has to play Saturday in Clemson. Excuse me, has to play Saturday home against Clemson and then get on a flight um, and, and get up there. So I think th- that is a, is a huge wild card. I mean, Miami is a tough team. And when we get to our little fun game here in a second, um, I'm going to have a Miami on my list um, for a reason. But, like, I just feel like that's a – it's a, it's a crapshoot this whole week. I could see him going 3-0. and I could see him going 0-3. I could see him going 2-1, and 1-2, and any combination there. And I, I just really think that this whole thing is going to be uh, case by case. And maybe our maybe – our, our, my our immediate assumption that Monday depends on everything else is is, is faulty, um, because well, I can be... tell you one thing. I can tell you one thing for sure. They're definitely going to be zero and three, one and two, two and one, or three and zero. Oh. Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely going to yeah. be one of those. I'm just saying, any possibility seems uh, potentially um, realistic. Okay, so our fun game. Which one of you guys came up with this? What was Berber? It, it was me. So how did we get into this? We were talking about guys we wanted to see UVA have, right? I think you made some comment about uh, what's his face at John Collins, uh, BC. Yeah, you mean awake? Yeah, it was John I mean, Collins, yeah, and sorry. I was like, oh my god, how? how no, good... Nobody, nobody at BC. Yeah, nobody, nobody's yeah, at BC. Yeah. Any, any BC player BC makes any of our list, screen. and you're all fired. Um, but no, so <laughs> if um, so, what we what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna spend a couple minutes here talking about. Essentially, the premise of this conversation or this tangent is current ACC players that you think would fit really well with what Virginia does. And listen, I, maybe they're going to I'm, – I'm, for my list, when I put my list together, I, I didn't just go to like, oh, give me Harry Giles because he's a – you know what I mean? Like, no, I'm not saying that. These are guys that, based on what you've seen on the floor, not necessarily on potential, that you think would fit. Who wants to go first? Dave. Don't don't everybody don't everybody jump in at once. All right, Dave. One player that you 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 think would fit in really one ACC player that you'd like to have on Virginia's roster today, and why? For me, it's I me. Mean, I went back and forth on this. I'm going to go Emil Jefferson just because. Wow. Uh, I, look, there's not a whole lot of big men in the ACC. Um, it's it came down to Meeks and Jefferson for me. And I just can't see Meeks hedging the screen very well. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> I, I don't think that's his game. And I mean, Jefferson, he does have good hands. He does he doesn't need the ball, but you know, when they get it to him, you know, he's gonna catch it. So a healthy Emil Jefferson, given what our deficiencies are, I mean, essentially he's like a I think Justin referred to him as like a, a better Darion or you know, Akeel. I don't know if Akil, yeah. Um I mean, he's he's like a a more seasoned Mamadi almost. Um, I don't know if he's got the raw upside of Mamadi, but right, he's not quite the um, physical of an athlete. Yeah, I mean, look, if Tim Tim Duncan was in the league, he'd be the choice. But a, a big would be number one for me, and just because of the way we play defense, I can't figure out how Meeks would make us better because teams would just screen screen his guy the whole game. All right, Ferber, um, I, I'm gonna give you this because, and you're gonna steal my guy, but give me give me one name of a guy you would love to see on UVA's roster and why. So are we eliminating like 
all the top end players and just taking like role guys. No, or... no, no, no. I would say no, no. I would say that as long as it's based on what you've actually seen and not like yeah. potential. So don't give me Jason Tatum just because he's a really talented uh, player who you know has draft potential. Like talk sure. to me about guys you've actually so so top end players is fine. I mean, shit, he just picked a kid from Duke. So I mean, you know, it's whatever. <laughs> Brad, you realize what you just said? What? You just cursed. Oh no, I didn't. Okay, well we'll, we'll exit it out. <laughs> what, which which one was it? Was he it a bad shit. one? Oh. He said shit. Well, don't say it. Don't don't, don't say it repeatedly. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't like an f bomb or something. Anyway, <laughs> we're forty minutes in. If anybody gets upset, email me. Um, okay, Ferber, give give me your pick. All right. Um, I like Bonzi Colson. Oh, that's nice. He didn't make my list, but yeah. that's really good. He just, I mean, he's undersized, but he rebounds the hell out of the ball. That's true. He does, and he can score too. Yeah, and then, I mean, I, you well, know he's I'll, a perfect example ahead. of, hey. he's exactly the kind of guy that I was talking about earlier, Virginia needs a dude around the rim who just can score, who just, like, you know what I'm saying, like, I'm not saying you gotta have, like, perfect post moves, and you gotta be, you'd be able to go over either shoulder, I'm talking, but Bonzi Colson, like, he just scores, like, he's, he ball skills, like, he could just score, he can just score the ball, like, it's really not that hard. And uh, you have to think about, like, he can stretch the court like Isaiah true. can, and make that mid-range jump shot, true. so, uh, and and also, like, the way I kind of look at this this little exercise is kind of you have to imagine what they would be like in UVA system with UVA's coaching, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I feel like UVA would get more out of them on the defensive end than maybe we've seen from them at the schools that are at. So like Emil Jefferson, I feel like would be if you were like you're going to play defense first. Like I think he would do that. Like right, I'm taking John Collins from Wake Forest, um, <laughs> the guy who started the whole trend with with, with a bullet. Um, he's now had. What is it like? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine twenty-point games in a row. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, now he's not always a great rebounder, but he's a good rebounder. Seven, uh, fourteen, eleven, sixteen, eight, twelve, nine, seven. Um, you got to get like ten games until you get into him having three or four rebounds in a game. Um, not terribly like he he, he doesn't foul a, a great amount either. I just feel like he'd be perfect. Um, 6'10", 235, Even though he's young, I feel like he'd fit this team like a glove. And it, and and having a guy like him would allow you to have Wilkins um, at his more traditional four. Um, and then I think Virginia actually could use could go could go with a traditional lineup because I th- I do think Collins is good enough under under uh, UVA's coaching to be better defensively and be able. I think he can move his feet. So he's my he's my first pick. Um, let's see, Dave. Let's go back to you. Give me one more. Give me one more guy, current player in the league that you would like to see on UV's roster. And let's assume that they also have the player you already named. So let's build on whatever roster moves you're making as the <laughs> Virginia D- D- general manager. Well, that makes it easier. I mean, my first one was either Meeks or Jefferson. I went with Jefferson. My second one came down to three guys: J- Justin Jackson, um, Blossom Game, and Dennis Smith. But yeah. You know, if you're just going to put him on the team and we need to score one bucket, I'm probably going to go Dennis Smith and just yeah, ice him. Go get you a bucket. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But just the way I've seen him play this year, look, I know he's a phenomenal talent. It's kind of what we're talking about. Like, I don't know how he would fit into the team first defense mode. Maybe he would because, yeah. So I, I just didn't think adding him to the team would bring enough. Um, so I went with Jackson. I mean, just the length he has and, and the way he stepped up his offensive game. You know, talking about someone who can collapse down and and post trap and and get back to the shooter, right? With yeah. his, length, his length, he's that right. guy. Yeah. 
Ferber, so UVA has, has added Bonzi Colson, so taking care of the post. Who, who's your second guy that you're going you're gonna to claim off waivers? Oh, I'm just going to take Jerome Blossom game and walk to my national title. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying a yeah. team of Jerome Blossom game, Bonzi Colson, London Perantis, Devin Hall, and Mario. Schoen. I don't care who the <laughs> other person is. Yeah. It doesn't even matter. Um, okay. Jerome Blossom game would be the, the defensive player with the highest ceiling that Tony's ever coached. Imagine what he would get out of him in four years. Yeah, you're right. That's true. That's true. Um, okay. Well, I, I went with uh, with Collins first, and then I, I don't know why, but I, I made a list of five, and almost all of them are bigs except for Blossom Game, who was my number uh, two guy. Um, I think I would take Jonathan Isaac. Um, if for no other reason, then I would just love to see a team that Virginia could trot out with uh, anybody at point guard. Uh, Kyle, or I guess let's say Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, Jonathan Isaac, uh, DeAndre Hunter, and Jay Huff. That is a lot of length <laughs> and a lot of three-point shooting. Um, that would be the most unique five in the history of, like, ACC basketball. Like, seriously, though, think about it. If you had Jonathan Isaac and Jay Huff on the same team. Um, I, I do think that what I've seen of Isaac has been fun, um, but I think he's clearly um, in need of some um, some seasoning, so to speak. Um so I, I feel like Virginia's good at, at getting the most from really talented bigs, especially guys like him who are light on their feet, who have length, who can move. Um, so I could I could see a scenario where, where uh, like I said, Blossom game was, was higher on my list, but Isaac would be an interesting fit. I also had uh, Kamari Murphy on my list, um, mainly because I think he's one of those rare – he's undersized. He's kind of like Bonzi. He's undersized, but he still plays bigger than he is. Um, and I think Virginia's problem right now is they have a bunch of undersized bigs who don't play bigger than they are. Um, and then my other guy on the list was Isaiah Hicks. I could really see him fitting in well. He would just basically be a much more polished, talented version of Momney, um that you could use right away and would make a lot of sense. So I like how I just snuck my whole top five uh, onto, <laughs> the, onto the show, even though we said two. So I think Ferber probably has the best mix with Bonzi and, and Blossom game. I think Dave's is bad. Uh, mine was second, um, <laughs> but I, I still think I still think that John Collins is the is the is the runaway favorite in this. Um, and I I I challenge you to um, to try to prove otherwise. Um, on that note, I think that's a good place to put a pin in it. I think, uh, um, like I said earlier, we're going to have lots to discuss when we reconvene for next week's show so i uh, want to thank everybody out there for giving us a listen as always thank you for your support of the show um want to make one quick note if you um if you enjoy the podcast and would like to listen maybe independent of like listening um in your web browser feel free to go to your app store on your uh, phone or tablet and download a podcast app uh you can search us uh we are available if you search out the caps corner podcast um Sometimes that's an easier way to, to listen than to, to keep the web browser open. So give that a look. Podcast apps uh, on your iPhone generally. Overcast is a good third-party app on uh, iOS as well. I've never had an Android, so I have no idea. Um, so good luck with that. But anyway, uh, thank you, out, everybody out there, for, uh, for your support of the show. I want to thank uh, Dave and Justin for being here, as always. So for uh, David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.